Scott, don't let don't get all Tucker Carlson. I agree with No, I know you agree. That's three times I agree with Zach already. Hey everybody, welcome to Bros, Bibles, and Beards, episode 173. This is Jeff, and I'm keeping my immunities up by smelling this smelly thing that's on the uh, foamy whatever. Zach, how's it going? I like my God the way I like my Jesus. Andy? Bros, Bibles, no beard. Scott? I have no idea. I love how we are... we're just stepping all was, over the intro these days. I was trying to think of what Zach means by that statement. And I don't know yeah, either. It just, just came out. You know, sometimes words come in the old hole and they come flying out. Well, earlier... Which I, part of your well, body is the old hole? <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, the foamy thing on the microphone, which I was trying to... I walked all over, uh, that we haven't changed. Uh, I don't know how old it is, but mine doesn't smell. So I guess... I mean, I, I really get a good whiff of it every podcast, so I think it really keeps my immunities up. I'm probably sniffing all of whatever's in the foam thing. Bros, Bibles, in, and beer. The freshest breath of any podcast in the universe. It's got the antibodies. Definitely. We'll just go with that. Yeah. So what did you mean by your Like the comment? CDC, not scientifically proven. Hey, that's <laughs> science. Come on. I don't know. I was going to say something about liking my... I like my Jesus... I like to think of my Jesus like an evil Sam. Like that stuff was going on in my head from the from Talladega Nights. Oh, um, right. an evil samurai? No, that wasn't like one of the a, options. Not an evil samurai. Did I say evil? I'm not you sure. You said evil samurai. That's not oh, one that's of the options. Freudian slip. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know. I, I don't know. Okay, good. Lead Thank singer you for that of a Leonard Skinner. We're going to talk about... That one's an option. We're going to talk about what God is... And I'm what slash who and what God is, and I was thinking like no. I like my God like, and Jesus came out. So there you go. Hey, I think we should have a couples, uh, study once yeah. a week on you know this book or you know a book we did. We used to do that a long time ago when yeah. we had very religious people in the group. You hear that, Scott? It means you gotta get that's, a date. I was say I thought I was the religious person. That's why you don't have it. <laughs> We we shipped him off. (laughs) Everyone's religious, Scott. About something. (laughs) I'm religious about this Beachwood Citraholic IPA that Scott brought us. Thank you very much. That's not bad. Thanks, Scott. Brought by Scott. It looks delicious, and it is one of my favorites. Actually, this one competes with Amalgamator. Oh, absolutely. I go back and forth. Yeah, I go back and forth, and it is delicious, but I'm not going to drink it. Not going to drink it. I'm not going to drink it today. You're doing yeah. great at your body clarification ritual, Andy. Yeah. Tonight I'm sipping on coconut water. <laughs> I like coconut water. Love, and yeah, your potassium levels are we're impressive. Gonna edit that out. I haven't pooped in days. <laughs> uh, yep. Well, so, guys, how's your god? Oh man, let's jump into it. We got a quick one. We're gonna keep it toit like a tiger. Toit like a tiger. Okay, so continuing on uh, the book Flexible Faith, we're going to pick up in the next chapter. There's a few things that I thought would be fun for us to dive into here. And the question that we're going to explore this evening is, does God plan everything that happens? And Is that rhetorical? Bonnie, it's not rhetorical. Well, it is for this moment, but... But it won't be shut rhetor- up, Jeff. It won't be rhetorical in um, a few moments. It's going to get real. Wait till you have the talking pillow. Okay, uh, obedience. Yes. yes. And so today or tonight, we have 
we have four options to draw from. There's there could be more on the outskirts, but I think she does a good job of landing on here are the are four of the predominant ideas throughout Christendom. Yeah, and she, and she does call them theories. She refers to them. These are theories of that have been developed over history by different uh, theologians on uh, on the position of whether or not they believe that God plans everything that happens. So, I think it'd be good. Let's go through these and let's see where we align each of us. And we're going to go in reverse order this time. When we thank you. So that we can you let my mind. Scott lead off because oh. Scott, I think you got the short end of the stick last time. Scott's the Wait, cowboy that this is time. Not according true. to we're our go li- reverse, according to our listeners, I always do. It's true. So. That is not <laughs> true. true. No, it's true. But Scott will start as the cowboy going in reverse here. I was just hoping to hear from Jeff before Jeff goes to sleep, because this is the type of topic that Jeff can either be all in or it's all true. out. It's true. Okay. Hey. Shut up, Zach. <laughs> no, for the record, I thought I had a fair amount of time last time, so I'm not complaining. I think we jammed you in. I listened to it. I think we jammed you in there. But it's not going to happen tonight. Here it is, boys. Number one on the options. Calvinism. Stupid. Named. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Moving on. Scott just needs to talk. I agree with Zach on this one. <laughs> Option number two, Hobbesism. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Jeffersonian. Uh, okay, so a first option named for John Calvin, who the, she calls him a colossus of the Protestant Reformation. This is true. All uh, due respect, John Calvin. He doesn't get all the credit. So um, he built upon the work of earlier, thinker, earlier thinkers, especially um, Augustine of Hippo. I don't know why we, why we need to clarify that. We all know which Augustine we're talking about right here, folks. Yeah, it's the one that struggled uh, with his erections. So Okay, so for Cal... <laughs> it's, you're right. It is. That's the one. Um, August- I felt guilty about them. Augustine of the erections. He got them. He didn't struggle getting them. He oh, felt guilty. It's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> for Calvinists to say God is in control of everything means he sovereignly determines everything that happens all of history is god's unchangeable choice planned according to his will to display his glory that's why god can fully know the future from the big stuff like what happens at the end of the world to the little stuff like what letter i'll hit next on my keyboard god knows it because he decreed it we can trust nothing surprises god and nothing happens to us outside his will god's plan can't be stopped so, when Calvinism says God determines everything, it means literally everything, including things we see as evil. God ordains evil things for his ultimate good purpose, but he is not morally responsible for evil. Responsibility instead rests on those who actually do the evil actions. So, uh, nevertheless, because nothing can happen outside of God's will, in this view, even great evils like the Holocaust or 9-11 happen at God's direction and for his ultimate glory. How such events bring God's glory may be mysterious to us now. God, do you have a bucket I can throw up into? <laughs> it, how these events uh, bring God's glory may be mysterious to us now, but that doesn't change the fact that they do. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, uh, comments... Questions, thoughts. Snide remarks. <laughs> oh, snide remarks. Remember that mysterious pandemic? All right, continue. Uh, yeah, so, I, and I think we talked about this on previous, previous podcasts. Not all Calvinists mm. hold to this type of exhaustive determinism. 
Uh, some some try to deny it, but uh, popular ones today, like John Piper. There's a there's another one, po- uh, popular one, uh, John Frame. I, he's passed away. He's a little bit older. Anyone named John, really? Yeah, God um, killed him. John Calvin. John uh, but Piper, they John they Frame. they would hold to uh, uh, this this type of determinism where God God determines every action um, to come about. Yeah, it's, but not but not all Calvinists uh, and what do hold you, to that. Okay, now clarifying that. So, what do you think about this view? Uh, there are many problems with it. I, I I agree with Zach. I don't hold to it, and I do want it makes me want to throw up. Um, agreeing with me or Calvinism? Agreeing that I want to throw up. Okay, uh, <laughs> but agreeing with me makes you want to throw up. Is that part of it? Yes, and I yes, and, uh, and I uh, additionally make, Calvinism makes me want to throw up as well. So which part specifically? <laughs> where where do you have a struggle? Yeah, so God determining everything, even evil things. Uh, so. One one of the issues is is God gives commands like don't do this, yeah. But then He determines people to do it. Right. That's problematic for me. And then He holds people accountable for doing that. Uh, plus, if you say, "God, I really want to follow you," but then you do something evil, it's God that made you do it. But He also made you want to think that you want to follow Him. It, it just there, there's no point. It, it, it ends up being there. There's no point in believing this this doctrine because anything that happens you had no choice in god determined it so it, it doesn't it ends up it doesn't even matter if you believe it or not because yeah. whatever you do god god determined it and i think you're i think you're right i know that people have a lot of smart sounding answers to some of these questions but ultimately i don't think it gets around just the the brutal just simplicity of the way you put it they they will respond to it in a you know a nuanced and complex way but Ultimately, uh, I believe it's like you said, and correct me if I'm wrong, does this not make some things, basically if God does it, it's not evil? So there's no like intrinsically evil thing. Well, yeah, that's a great point that everything that happens is God's will. So if if we call, if we can say that God does evil things, yeah. God is not causing evil or, or it's not evil if it, if God ordains the Holocaust, because no, it does. Because God, he, he's not more. She, not the, she said that he's God's not evil. more. He's, he's not morally responsible. God's yeah, not, that's what I meant. Yeah. sorry. So, so ultimately, God's not responsible for things that are evil, even though He caused them. Right. Um. Right. Even though the humans had no other choice. Even though it was He predestined predestined them to do those things. Yeah. Yeah. And and this this view also does believe in ultimate predestination for those who were chosen uh to be saved and those who were chosen to be damned yeah and, and it's sp- and there's and it's everybody there's no no one's left off the list to figure it out and explain this one to me honestly reformed or calvinist listeners i explain it to you hit it hit us up if we're we got blind spots because i know i do for sure but um well let, let's see if this throws a little wrench in the end of it for you maybe it doesn't uh, in salvation, as in all our choices, however, Calvinism maintains human free will is compatible with God's unstoppable plan. We freely choose what God has chosen for us. <laughs> right. It's it's so even so. Just just you. Well, well uh, let me back. Up. I wish I had the prices wrong. So yeah. I queued up for that. Whether whether you believe whether you believe in Calvinism or not is also a determination by God. So you don't even have a choice on whether you believe it or not. Yeah. It seems weird. 
because yeah, in this way, Calvinism or Calvinists would argue God is solely responsible for our salvation, but we bear the responsibility for the evil we do. Yeah, and that, that yeah, that's also something I, I think is heads uh, I win, tails you lose. Yeah, it, it's kind of it's kind of an irrelevant thing. Yeah, because you, you in and this is how the Calvinists respond. They'll say, "Yeah, but man is still responsible." And it's like, okay, but who? Like, does that even matter? Because whether we're held responsible or not, we still could not. We we still cannot choose to do something else. So it doesn't even matter if we're responsible. It's like we're only doing what God yeah. wills us to do. Yeah. Hey kids, you have to go outside and play in the mud, but if you get dirty, I'm gonna punish you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's like that's the life that God has given you to live. Yeah. That's also, there's saying. only mud outside. <laughs> yeah. There's only mud everywhere. <laughs> yeah. So Jeff, uh, in where does this hit you intuitively? Like, what is what do you think about it? Just on an intuitive level, like it seems like it. Well, it seems like a catch twenty two. I have a free will just gets in the way of my. How can everything? Oh, this everything's ordained. Your life, your life in front of you, um, lacks. I would almost say lacks meaning because you're not going to make any of these choices. They've already been chosen for you. It's it. It's a very um, dry life. Mm. filled with nothing um because you're not your free will actually it's a contradiction because there are some upsides though what do you guys imagine some upsides for the calvinistic believer and so even though i disagree with calvinism, that was god's plan yeah i i find myself Sorry, living in the face <laughs> i find myself living as a calvinist uh sometimes i'm like I mean, a lot of, I'm like, I'm like, uh, you know, maybe, maybe God just determined that for me to do that, you know, oh. yeah, or something. Ha- I actually hear a lot of people who are not Calvinists. And if you put them on the spot, would not agree with that summary. But mm. I hear a lot of like, oh, I must, God must not have wanted that to happen. It, when you have a job choice or if something's coming up, a, a big decision, or yeah. you're not sure if you're going to get the news you want about something and it happens, it's kind of like a let yourself off the hook for the consequences of your actions or what you could have done better in that situation. Oh, maybe God didn't want that to happen. And that's a comfort. If that is true, it's very comforting. Um, And a lot of Christians I find have a little bit of, they operate a little bit in that gray contradictory area where they believe they have free will and that God doesn't control things or preordain things. But when the poop hits the fan or something like that, we can fall back on that. And it is, it can be helpful. I'm guilty of that. Do we agree? Sure. But, but Do the, we agree with her breakdown and examples of I, Calvinism? It's a good summary. I, I, okay. I, the, only, the only thing I would caveat is that not all Calvinists hold to the uh, extreme view of that, and not all not all of them are dual determinists. So that would be the only caveat. Caveat, but the they, logical logical conclusion that this is the logical conclusion yeah. of yeah of we'll find out and what you're describing there they may not actually be a calvinist they may be a molinist which is the next one on the list speaking of speaking of speaking of list next one on the molinist Andy, you should you should be on a podcast door number two segway molin okay so uh this is named for Louis de molina he was a catholic theologian who like calvin lived in the 1500s he wanted to reconcile real free will with a strong understanding of God's providence and foreknowledge. He didn't believe, like Calvin, that our choices can be truly free if everything happens because God plans it that way. So he's basically pushing back and saying, free will can't coexist in a world that, that 
that uh, John Calvin describes because everything has been predetermined by God. So therefore, how can I have free will if it's all been predetermined? Mm-hmm. So he he's pushing back against that. His solution was based on the idea that God knows everything that would happen under the right circumstances. So before he created the world, God thought about how thought about every possible scenario, how every possible scenario would go. He knew what choice each person would make in every hypothetical situation. So, for example, if God knew you had to choose between a blue and a green shirt, you'd pick green. And if the choice were between a green and pink pink shirt, you'd take pink. Zach. <laughs> so, Molinism says before creation, God knew all the possible ways history, history would play out, down to the tiny details like your shirt. Then he chose the best one and made it happen. When you pick the pink shirt, you're choosing of your own free will, and yet your choice was always settled because of the type of world that God made. So the difference between Molinism and Calvinism is that in Molinism, God knew you would freely choose the pink shirt if you were given the chance, and he made a world in which you get that chance. In Calvinism, God decided in advance, you will, choo- you will choose pink, so you choose it. I, I'm not so lost on the. I, I, I'm not differentiating. sure. I I so that seems. It seems like she's trying to, in her definition, it seems like she's doing both. Where you have a choice, but your choices. Well, that's that's not her definition. That is Molinism. So she says, yeah, for Molinists, God isn't responsible for evil because evil choices are still free choices. I feel good about that. Uh, God mm-hmm. permitted evil things to happen by making this version of the world, but he never forces anyone to choose evil. Basically, the course of history is settled, but God doesn't determine our decisions. Yeah, it's like being out, if you're outside time, if time is like this line that you could be outside of and just see it from beginning to end, uh, as opposed to like experiencing it unfolding like we do, then you would have access to that foreknowledge, as it were. And you, the people would be making, it's kind of like, it's a little bit of like, um, what's the word? I feel like it's a little, it can be a little cop out ish. Like it's still a little Calvinin, Calvinistic a little bit. It's like in the ballpark, but also it's trying to be a little more like real life. Like I recognize I can make decisions that have consequences from our perspective. I think it's trying to give God, it's God, it's due, um, for being sovereign and and big and beyond time and space while also allowing humans to have agency over themselves. Yeah, it it allows for choice and the 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 world that God made. William Lane Craig, I believe is a Molinist or was. He's yeah, a, he's and a pretty I, well-known Christian I would, apologist. I would probably be more in the Molinist camp. Um it, there was just there was just there was one sentence that I it sounded like it just didn't sound right to me, but we can. We don't have to go back to it. Um, but yeah, that thanks, Scott. That um, we we have free choices, and God yeah. can and does uh, order things in such a way that um, that certain things happen, while allowing for people to make their own choices. And each individual has a limited set of choices. Um, so it's you know free will. Free will doesn't mean you have you can do anything because uh, not not even Superman could do anything. Um, but yeah, we 
God can still order things and we still have free will. And just because some choices are eliminated doesn't mean that we don't have free will. I thought in general that God's will would play out no matter what. Um, like world, God creates the world, people are in it. There's a way in which the world will function because of God's will. And you have free will and those things can be determined in general. Like you're making, you're going against really what is God's, what God would say is right and righteous and, and you, there's going to be consequences and God's will will play out. So if you choose evil, God's will will play out. It's Mm -hmm. not going to turn out well. Um, However, um, that actually might steer you in a direction to do God's will because of the path you've taken. So you've, you've, you've gone off the path. God is teaching you through like that. Everything is ordained in general. I would say that it's no different than getting a slap on your hand when you're, you know, you misbehave in school, you're going the school's will will happen. So God's will in the world is wow, going we got to a light. We got a, a, a light Calvinist in the room, guys. I think. <laughs> but, but here's here's an example. But that might. might but it's very different know. than God's. Oh, you're going to take a left turn here, or a right turn here, or hit this. I think that. Yeah, I think the way that it, it sums up easiest in my mind is Molinism states that God, because God knows all the possible outcomes of your life and your decisions throughout your entire lifetime and everyone's. Um, he knows all of those and he knows what the best one is. He chooses to create a world that, that positions you in the best possible opportunity to make the best choice, but he doesn't force you to make the best choice. Does that make sense? Okay. And that's the sentence I was kind of like, what? okay, that's, that, that's the unique part of Molinism. Yeah. That, that, so I could, I guess, I guess I can. Well, we can move on. The best opportunity, though, you said yeah. that putting us in the best opportunity was creating us. That was the best opportunity that he gave us. And f- as far as I'm concerned, putting us in like, oh, you're going to be uh, wealthier. You're going to be a part of this family or this right, monarchy. But, it, but it's yeah. literally like you are created. And that for me, that was the best opportunity. I created you and I love you. And now go for it. And I'm... You'll yeah. feel, you'll I, feel I, the I sense guess, I guess of I right and I don't wrong. like the, I don't like the phrase, the best, the, the best opportunity. I, the, what it seems to me is that the choice we have is to follow God or not follow God. So to yeah. sin or not sin. Yeah. And, and so if, if, if it's the best opportunity to not sin, okay, then, yeah. then sure. I, I can go with that. Wow, you're. You, I right. like this, Scott. You, you're acknowledging. Okay, we could keep going, but you know, I'll just do a little bit of this, and then I'll say, okay, I'll let that go. Moving yeah. on. That's hey, you know, good. solid. I don't know. Scott, don't let. Don't let. I'll tuck Carl I agree with No, I know you agree. That's three times I agree with Zach already. I don't even agree with Zach. Anymore. Okay, let's move on to Arminianism, not Armanianism. Very different. Not talking about 
Glendale. I gotta, I gotta say, I gotta say, many funny reference. I gotta say, when we you first, when I first started hanging out with everybody, and I was, you know, believers stuff. It must have been years before I'm like, wait. We're not talking about a country or area, you know. We're not going to listen to System of a Down. (laughs) Sorry, Jeff. (laughs) Okay, so here's our third option: Arminianism, named for Jacobus. Maybe that's not how you pronounce it. Arminius. Joseph. Another, another uh, Joseph. Where you going, Joseph? Another 16th century theologian. This accent brought to you by bigotry. <laughs> that's not bigotry. That's racism. Oh, sorry. Uh, we will not edit that out. Another 16th century theologian. That's interesting. 16th century. They're all they're all developing these uh, right around the same time. These prevailing. It's when the weed got good. Like Molinism, this approach rejects the Calvinist claim that free will is compatible with God determining everything in advance. I'm glad to see that someone else saw flaws in that logic too. But then it goes in a very different direction. Here's the central argument. God knows everything that will happen, but he limits his control over our world. It's important to understand this distinction is about what God does, not what he's able to do. So for Arminians, God is all-powerful and all-knowing. This view is not describing a weaker or stupider God than the options we considered above. So it says God could determine everything if he wanted to, and he does predestine some things like his final triumph over evil. But there's a lot more he doesn't plan so that our free will has room to operate. God operates for influence over coercion because God values love. He wants us to freely choose whether to love and follow him. God knows that uh, God knows everything that will happen in our future, but aside from some big parts of his plan for humanity, like that final victory, he doesn't make it happen. And then uh, before we chat, let's let's hit the on the question of evil. So, Arminians have an easier time than Calvinists or Molinists because in this view, some things happen that are not in God's will. That's because God allows his good will to be thwarted by our free choices. It's a risk, but it's a necessary risk. Real love requires freedom. Real freedom must include the possibility of making the wrong choice. God never wants evil to happen and always seeks to lead us away from bad choices, but he never forces us to choose love. I uh, Real quick, like, I, I know Make it real quick, some though. of the some of the pushback from Calvinists, like they're worried about God's sovereignty, and they want like so- sovereignty is a big word for them, a big concept. God is sovereign over all, and so I think a lot of them, at least personally, my interactions with some friends who are of that pers- persuasion, is that that this kind of takes God's sovereignty out of the equation, or or God does isn't as sovereign or sovereign over all under Arminianism. Did I say that right? You said that right. You didn't say sovereignty right. But No, I didn't. It's a, it's a tough word. <laughs> um, but since That word brought to you by Beachwood. Since you asked. <laughs> <laughs> um, but correct me, or tell me what you guys think. I think if, if a God... I think you're drunk. If a God is giving, like, freely giving choice out of God's own love, dare I say, sovereignty. Um, it, uh, is I don't the name think of the re- episode, by the way. Sovereignty <laughs> yeah. is the name of the episode. I, that, I don't think that takes away from God's sovereignty. It just means different. It just means a little bit of a, it's defined sovereignty. differently. Right. And I hope I never have to say that word again. No sovereignty. It's a mouthful. Yeah. Well, why? <laughs> it, it's a why does, why does 
God have why does God have to determine everything for him to be sovereign? And and mm, then yeah. um wouldn't wouldn't it's possible that it God is more sovereign if he can allow free yeah. creatures to make free choices and still his end will the bringing about the, yeah. the final consummation uh is is done that that could mean that god is more sovereign that he allows people to freely choose and still still uh his, his ultimate purposes are are done i like that distinction that's put in there which is it's it's not about what he's able to do it makes that distinction right. which should be uh directly like that should directly address the question of whether or not this view believes that god is a sovereign god is he able to do those things? Sovereigns, like, I mean, can we use a working definition of, you know, all powerful, like unlimited power? Maybe let's just let's just use that. I I, I would probably push back, but let's use it for the sake of this. this for, yeah, just yeah. for short uh, for shorthand, and and so it's it's about his choices. It it's what he chooses to do, and I think there was a, an author on maybe last year. Was it God can't? Yes. <clears throat> Ord is that Ord? Thomas Ord? Thomas Ord. So Thomas Ord would not be an Arminian. He wouldn't fall into Arminian, right? Uh, open future, open theism. Which oh, I think we're getting to. we will get there. <laughs> the Segway master, uh, but not quite yet. But I like he Arminianism wears a when he rides it. Segway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this was mentioned on Sunday, and and I think this aligns with. Uh, the passage where Jesus says, uh, you know, I stand at the door and knock anyone who um, opens the door and lets me in, uh, basically describing God, God is a gentleman. He's not going to force his will upon anybody. And he's, he is inviting us to, to make these choices. And, and I do believe that um, love requires freedom and free will um, for it to exist. And if God is, manipulating all the things and forcing us. I think that that is contrary to the concept of free will. And if God is love, and this will come up under open theism, but uh, the first Corinthians 13, four through eight, love is patient. Love is kind. Does not envy, does not boast. Um, You, you guys know the thing Um, (laughs) that's, that is, I believe using the same word. I believe that's the agape form of love which is known as the highest form of love. Uh, and that's the way God is described as being. And so if that is true, um, it makes sense that there would be a little bit of like the control aspect is at the very least reduced. And according to Ord and yeah. open theists, it just goes away. God can't unilaterally control. Um, so, right. And that, and that's not saying anything about the obedience that God calls us to. That would be a yeah. separate right. question. Yeah. Yeah. And I like this. So he, he, she mentions at the very end of that little section uh, that this view is quite similar to the Orthodox Church approach, which which emphasizes the unequal cooperation between God's grace and human free will and salvation. And I thought that was really cool that it's that it's described as the unequal, um, the unequal uh, co- cooperation. I do or, like that because I don't think it's equal. And it affirms God's total power and knowledge while rejecting any notion of divine coercion. As uh, one of these guys, who is it? A theologian, Callistos Ware. Cool names, man. Wow. Jacobus Arminian. I like unequal. John Calvin. Oh. oh. John 
Stamos. <laughs> Wait. Luis, I don't know where the heck you guys are going. Luis but de Molina. This, it, but it says God wanted sons and daughters, not slaves. Yeah. <laughs> so, ro- so, ro- so we'd be a robotic society if, if, so if nothing else, if, if things have to exist, like the opposite of love has to exist, exist. The, the, all these feelings have to exist and, Unless it was like we're looking at things and going, well, what is this? What do we describe? What do we call this? And I guess you could say that we've done that, but there's something in society, in the world, that's like right, wrong, love, hate. Like all of these things exist because God has them in play, and then we choose, and now we have a reference point of like, that's that's not, you're doing wrong against me. And and so we know that all of this exists. Free will exists. If you don't have free will, you don't have any of those things, or else we'd be robotic, and nothing would exist. Yeah, everything would literally be zeros and ones. And by the way, it, this this view leaves room for God to do things in the world. It doesn't say that he's hands off the wheel. Well, he's going to utilize it, it, yeah, us yeah. to. like a call to action. I don't disagree with you at all, but I I think additionally what maybe what Andy is saying is like, there is room for like total unilateral intervention in creation and like God actually doing something that the humans couldn't do. There's that in Arminianism and Molinism. Like creating humans. Yeah. 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 In that, I mean, seriously. Yeah. Oh, like, I mean, eventually if, if there was nothing and then there was something, no matter how it happened, yeah, for sure. That's what you're talking about. You're not talking about like sexual reproduction. No, I'm you literally, know talking made, crea- right? <laughs> literally talking about creation, but I don't, the intervening, I don't think like in the middle of our lives, God intervenes. God may intervene, God's intervening constantly in the spirit in that, are you listening? I'm calling you to this. Take action or don't. Like there is that now you sound a little open theist. I like I like this, and I'll be honest too, because I I kind of like vacillate between or have gradients between these views in my own personal faith. Like I I I really enjoy the the mind concept or the thought experiment of open theism, and what if that were true? But I also like leaving room for if there is a God that's all powerful that also gives us choice. God can do what God wants at certain points. And so I got to be open to that. I also got to be open to maybe God's kind of a jerk. There's that possibility. Well, and by jerk, you mean does things that you don't agree with, but there's no reason to think that you're, uh, that you are right. Like what if God God, could be right? You just mm -hmm. disagree with him. No. Also like a smaller possibility in my mind is that what if there's this all powerful God that created everything and he's, He's not as nice as we want him to be. That's like, Calvinism. That's, that, that's, well, no, 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 not necessarily. Because I agree. That according from, to, his, according, from his interpretation of it, according though, it to would be Zach, his, what his nice means might be something different. Now, what if, <laughs> I mean, what if God is, it's it's an unsettling concept yeah. to think that God, we, we kind of have free will and stuff, but the the evidence of life and all the, the shit people are born into or the bad things that happen um, and a God that could make things better for people, but decides not to for one reason or another. It it might be, this is not mentioned in her book, it might be that 
God isn't as comforting depending on our how we view God. It's just it's a possibility. Right. Well, it goes well, it goes back to if it goes back to what God should be held more morally. Well, from a logical perspective, what can we hold God morally responsible for? for evil in the world is right. is is God morally responsible for someone being born to a crackhead, uh, AIDS, meth head, whatever, um, in in a poor country or a poor city in Appalachia? Is God morally responsible for that? Well, well, that I means well. That's a question. I, Maybe God is, yeah. and God doesn't care. So that's, that's so, the possibility I'm exploring. So, so that, that, yeah, that, that which is unsettling. Question. Yeah, but can I read a, yeah. a quick little snippet? Sure. From somebody that I think you would file this. I think this would apply to Molinism, Arminianism, definitely not Calvinism. Um, this is a Jewish woman that I believe ended up in a concentration camp, and this was from her diary. Uh, Eddie Holissom. I'm reading out of The Universal Christ by Richard Rohr. Um, but this is not a quote from Richard Rohr, Scott, so you're, you're safe. Burp, burp. Heresy alert. Heresy, Heresy alert. alert. But she's talking about God. Um, and this is before she, and as she was kind of, her situation was changing and becoming uncertain uh, as the Nazis grew in strength. <clears throat> Uh, one of her snippets says, alas, there doesn't seem to be much you yourself, I think she's talking about God, can do about our circumstances, about our lives. Neither do I hold you responsible. You cannot help us, but we must help you and defend your dwelling place inside of us to the last. And the second quote, um, these are various diary entries. In spite of everything, you always end up with the same conviction Life is good after all. It's not God's fault that things go awry sometimes. The cause lies in ourselves, and that's what stays with me, even now, even when I'm about to be packed off to Poland with my whole family. And then finally, those two months behind barbed wire have been the two richest and most intense months of my life in which my highest values were so deeply confirmed. Uh... I mean, I mean that—that's a perspective I wish I could have in a concentration camp. But um, definitely, God's not responsible for things. Now, this is not a Christian woman, but I—I I thought it was interesting to kind of throw that into the mix. And if she, what? I mean, definitely a, a faithful uh, God believer, Jewish, but um, I don't didn't hold God responsible. Well, for those things, yeah. But the possibility. Like that could be filed under. You could read that through an open theist lens. You could read that through uh, Molinist lens, I think, and also uh, Arminian lens. But anyways, I I read that today, and I'm like, oh, that's first of all, it's super powerful. Um, mm. What a powerhouse of a perspective going into yeah. that much trauma. But anyways, I think the hardest thing to wrestle with in the Arminian view is if you believe that God chooses the moments to still act in this world like unilaterally act in this world um it's it it can be difficult to reconcile when he when he does and doesn't choose to do so yeah it's it's heartbreaking and it's what it it's what gives me a little uh leaning towards open theism being attractive because the general day-to-day data about the way life works and the way humanity interacts with each other lends itself more to a God 
is not can't unilaterally control things and you don't really see the miracles like even the healings usually there's other explanations maybe maybe you make the jump though i might can't or won't um, chooses well, not well, to. Well, you might have to ask the question, which one is worse? <laughs> so the one which create, takes us into open futures slash yeah. open theism. Yeah. Here it is. Okay. Oh. This is often... Can, can oh. I make one yeah. come in here? And Quick. That was... Uh, gosh. Oh, uh, Life is Beautiful. There was a movie a couple of decades ago. Yes. And it was with... Uh, his last name was like Benini, I think, but... It was about a man, his family mm-hmm. in concentration camp. It's a fan, if you haven't seen it, it's a fantastic, it's a horrific, fantastic movie um, about just a man being so positive within the worst possible scenario. Mm. Um, but it's like almost how we respond. Like, how yeah. do we see, how can we see life is beautiful and representing that in to the family? worst track? Oh, my Oscar. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. Anyway. Okay. Open future, often called open theism, and this is a describing a very different uh, view of what God is like, and perhaps it's because it views him as less than all-powerful and all-knowing. So uh, while the other three options all hold that the future is settled, maybe they differ on why that's so, but this future says the, this view says the future is partly settled, but also partly open. The settled parts are things God has determined will happen, like his final victory over evil. We don't have to wonder if that will come true because God settled it. But the category of settled things is much smaller than the category of things that are genuinely open to multiple possibilities. So, in this bigger category, God has perfect knowledge of everything that could happen and is likely to happen, but he doesn't know what will happen because that part of the future doesn't exist to be known. So the crux of this issue is how God relates to time. So in the other three views, God someone, somehow is outside of time. And all of history is like this big photo. God can zoom in on different moments. In the open view, God doesn't experience time. Or sorry, God doesn't experience time. Let me say this. God doesn't experience time the same way we do, of course. And his nature doesn't change over time. But God does move through time with us. And so this approach is... In this approach says the future is like a line that is not yet drawn, as C.S. Lewis put it. So if you imagine a piece of paper, we're drawing this line. It's not yet drawn. God is with us as, as human and divine choices that together draw this line of history. So the open, the open view views answers to our questions about evil and salvation are close to Arminian answers. God never makes evil things happen. And in this perspective, he's actively working in real time to prevent evil as much as possible without overriding our free will. So in this view, we can trust when evil does occur, God doesn't want it. He shares our grief. Likewise, God does not determine who is saved and who is condemned. He's always working in love to draw everyone in the world to a voluntary saving faith. Yeah. One thing that came to mind is like... This this makes there there's obviously holes into it in there's holes in all these things, but this makes sense to me in a lot of ways. If God is, I know having Tom Ord on the podcast um, and reading some of his stuff, God being perfect love and love can't control in in like a smaller way when we create children literally out of love, um, 
And you, that's like the most, for me, that's like the most love I've experienced for another thing is, is, uh, your kids, my kids. And, uh, when you ha- when you have that, you will do whatever you can to protect and, and, uh, set them up for success. But ultimately as they go through life, you can't control, you have to let go and you can't, you can't fix things. You can try, you can try to influence. And so I think that's kind of like a, ultimately it's a crappy metaphor because we're talking about the ultimate truth of whatever, however God acts. But I, I do think there is some water in that bucket of like, let it, let it, not being able to control the thing you love the most, but wanting to uh, set that thing up for success and see it, that thing that persons thrive and survive uh, but ultimately having to let go. Otherwise you wouldn't be loving. You'd be locking them up and, you know. Yeah. Well, I, want, go ahead. I wonder if when God sends his, his only son, knowing, does God know I'm sending my son not only to represent just perfection and and great love and understanding, but also the that people would turn on out of power and fear turn on Jesus and and crucify him and and that was the picture of like are we seeing the opposite ends of love and hate fear power everything in one snapshot and then that all plays out all the while knowing you're going to be pushed one way or the other. And if you're pushed one way, it may push you back in another direction, you know, in compassion and understanding of, of people. I'm not sure what you're saying. You're losing, you're losing me. No, no, I I realized that you smoke screened me. Good move. But but the, but, but, but the idea of, of having, having Jesus crucified, and seeing all of that pain and suffering from something that was a person that was perfection. And we get this, this fear and power of like the Roman empire crucifying Jesus. There's, there's something there that it it was a, it was a teaching moment that lived throughout, uh, Next week we'll talk about yeah, atonement. Right. So yeah, real quick. No, 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 but it's not that. Yeah. There's something Re- there. real quick. Sorry, I'm, I'm, not, o- I'm missing it. An open theism. I, so I guess two questions is like how do you account for prophecy? And one of the things is the crucifixion, which was foretold in the Old Testament. And the other thing is how does God know all things that are possible without knowing what would happen? Like where where would that where how, how would that fit? Like, you, that God Scott. knows what what is possible if He's, he's not even seeing the future. At, at all and, I, and maybe i didn't understand it right but i don't think he does i think he i think it's cloudy for him that's what like well, that well, no, that's what c.s lewis description is no, but, like they're drawing we're drawing the line together no, no but 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 what one of the things in, in that she said is that he knows what the, what's possible and but we can we can I don't know if she that, says that for open theism definitely in the other ones yeah. in, in the other ones yeah. if you can't tell listener we have a hard out yeah <laughs> but so, so otherwise so, we'd be so doing for, this for forget that last one but the main thing is how do you account for prophecy on an open theistic, it's a good, um, it's a really uh, good question, Scott. View, go, go ahead. Yeah, uh, I don't, I, I, I don't like the view. Well, I, I still fundamentally disagree that that love means you can't. I think love means you choose not to. 
And so, so I have fundamental disagreements that's there. That's a good topic. We, yeah. I think we should dive deep into that one because that's, that's pretty deep. Um, now, where do you guys land overall? Just I, real quick. I, I, would go, I would go somewhere in, be, in between Arminianism and Molinism. Do you lean one way or the other a little more? I, I don't understand the nuances of each, so I can't. I like that answer. Jeff? Jesus is a friend of mine. All right. (laughs) Uh, I I like the open theism uh, and also dabble in Arminianism. (laughs) Dabble. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I feel pretty good about Arminianism more than the rest, although... It does have overlaps with Molinism. So I could. Yeah. I want to be a sheep. I'm going to follow could, Andy. I'm a, I mean, <laughs> All right, cool. Well, like lambs to the slaughter. <laughs> Speaking of slaughter, if you want to really just kill it on social media, you should follow us at Bros Bibles Beer. All the socials. You can email us brosbiblesbeer at gmail.com. And if you want to leave us a voicemail, anchor.fm slash pod, and we will play your voicemail on the air. And leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever it gives you that option. And we appreciate you listening. And uh, we'll be back for more. And obviously, I love you guys. Yeah, go love somebody. And if you listen to this, it was God's will. Oh. Yeah. And if you didn't, he knew you wouldn't. (laughs) He he knew you wouldn't have anyway if you were given the chance. (laughs) Hey, God ordains evil. And if you're not listening, that's evil. (laughs) All right. something out of the interview movie. Share this with another bro or... Bro, Dan, sis, Dane. What's the what's a what's the lady version of bro? What's a lady bro? Cisgender. Bro. Bro.